at one point I was in the subway station wanting to buy a sandwich and the guy just like wouldn't give it to me. And like, I had the money and he was saying something to me and I don't know what it was to this day. And it escalated. I mean, he was really screaming at me and I was going, I don't understand what I did wrong. Like I said that I wanted a sandwich in German. I had the money for the sandwich, but for some reason I didn't walk away with the freaking sandwich. (laughs) And I was letting these things totally get me down because I'm like, if I can't even order a sandwich, how am I supposed to raise a kid? For all our listeners today, we have a little bit different episode than you've heard so far. Indeed. And this episode is, when did we shoot this? Was it back in December or November last year? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just deep, dark Corona times. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. And we had a readout of our, our own, right? It was readouting really in this this context of this uh, podcast. It, the podcast didn't exist back then. And Yes, back when it was only a twinkle in our eye, this podcast. And you had visions of your own. And actually, this episode is you interviewing me for the podcast that you thought you wanted until yes. we also realized actually rerouting and you went from having your podcast to inviting me along and it became our podcast so even from the very beginning rerouting truly was rerouting situation from your original vision to where we landed and there's more to that there's actually a little bit of secret in there so i had recorded a couple of i would say webinars or i don't know what you call just sort of casual conversations and i sent one to you and i said tiffany look i'm doing a podcast and i've sort of made it sounded bigger than it was and it was called that can <laughs> swim back then i was like hey do you what want do to i be always say though my friend <laughs> perception is reality (laughs) exactly and that's what it happened to me and little did i know that conversation would be actually a game changer right we had such an amazing conversation which people are going to hear in in few minutes now and few seconds and i think that really opened me to the fact that hey i could have a co-host who's as enthusiastic and who's doing a incredible job of parenting so yeah here we are (sighs) thank you i'll accept that compliment i I do an incredible job of parenting. I certainly do try. That's an understatement. So I'll tell you why. When you and I spoke, I don't know if you realize that you've come off, come out of this adversity so many times in your life. And, and just the fact that raising Olive as a single mother for a long period of time and doing that all by yourself was touching enough, but not just with that, with the whole zest that you, you know, have behind raising her. What is that thing that you said? She didn't live. To not live. Yeah, it, she didn't live to not really live. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your motto on how you've been driving everything that you do behind her, with her. And that's your drive. And that kind of touched me back then. And I was super impressed when I heard that, hey, you decided to move continents just with her to an alien land in, in the middle of pandemic 
and being a new adventure, like hats off to this woman. And hey, know. I didn't choose the pandemic part that just came along. But yeah, no, this is actually, this is a great episode also for me, just for archival reasons. When we were talking, it was at such a unique turning point in my life. And to also just be able to look back on that. A lot of times you look back and you maybe forget all the hard work that you did mm. or the tiny struggles that you had that are probably even funny now. So for me, it's just a really nice way to look back and memorialize that time. And also now it's the beginning of something really fun and great for both of us, which was rerouting. Exactly. That started as a figment of imagination and ended up becoming a podcast. And I'm super excited about this as well, because we are, what, seven episodes down and... Yes, drum roll. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> It's seven crazy episodes. to think so, about looking back, like now there are seven episodes out. We've got so many more planned and this awesome support network of people behind us. It's wow. I couldn't have imagined when I was sitting and having this interview that everyone's about to hear and little did I know yeah. what would it end up being. Yeah. And I was very nervous as well along all this while. But I think what I'm particularly nervous about is that this is the first time the audience gets to know us as people, like a little bit of a backstory. So I'm excited about this, a little bit nervous as well. And if you, the audience, the, the two or three listeners that we have, no, we've got a hundred <laughs> over listeners right now. Yes, so. it's more like 200. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Meow. <laughs> 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 and the cat. <laughs> All right. If you are enjoying the show, give us a feedback, give us a rating and tell us how you enjoy this. And I can't wait for you to hear Tiffany's story in this episode. All right. Here we go. Tiffany, hi. Hi, Dave. Thanks so for joining excited me. to be here today. I'm already talking over you. That's absolutely fine and excited as well. The first time you and I met, we really connected on a topic which is dear to our hearts, parenting. And there was something about you or your style of parenting and, and things that you shared about how you bringing up your little girl that really resonated with me. So I thought I have to have Tiffany on my podcast. Yeah, awesome. And I think the the feeling was so similar when we first met. I remember I was hearing you talk about your ideas and it was something specifically around parenting. And I was so surprised because I thought, wow, a dad ally. How great. Like we need more dad allies like this who <laughs> really who takes such a proactive approach and I could really tell you really felt like that was also your responsibility which women for sure always feel that is completely our responsibility yeah so anyway I'm really excited to be here and talk with you about it I wouldn't claim that this has always been the case times like these a lot of things surface up we're going through corona crisis and it's a lockdown time and I think that was a silver lining for me spending a great bunch of time with my son and that led to a lot of realizations and one of that was that hey I'm not a as great a father as I used to think and when those realizations come up, you start looking at things with different lens. And that's what happened. And I have to say, in a world that feels more and more polarized and that people are one way or are another way, it really eliminates the ability to grow and learn and change and evolve. So even if any parent was one way yesterday, you can change it. You can do it differently. If there's something you don't like about it, then try a different way. And just being open and willing to make those steps, I think, is it's brave in and of itself. 
Yeah. And today I want to talk about something which is actually even braver. And that's about bringing kids in a very different culture, right? Not only that parenting is hard, but just us as parents moving from one country to the other and just getting ourselves surrounded with an alien culture and just making it feel absolutely normal for our kids is just a big deal. And I just want to bring that to the surface as well. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, where you've come from, a bit about your relationship with your child. Mm -hmm. I actually grew up in a really teeny tiny town. My entire family, a family of my dad had five brothers and sisters. My mom had a few siblings too. Like everyone in my family lived within a 15, 20 minute drive of each other. And it was a small town in Indiana, which if you have heard of Mike Pence, he was at one point the governor there. (laughs) And I can pretty much say most people where I grew up probably voted for Trump to just if you want to make a generalization and understand where I grew up, I had a really nice childhood. My parents worked really hard. We were probably sturdy, lower middle class. And they worked really hard to make sure that I was always in dance class. We always had a fantastic Christmas. They had me in T-ball and I, I got to be in everything. And my family, of course, was always there for everything, almost always. Along the same lines of that, though, Everyone that I grew up with looked like me, thought like me, or I was supposed to think like them. Very homogeneous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A few generations back, my my grandpa's side, his family was Amish. And so it became a little more watered down and watered down. But mm-hmm. ultimately, those same values, very patriarchal, very conservative Christian, all of those things really went into how it was brought up. And I don't know, there was always something just a little bit different about me where I always felt like maybe I didn't quite fit in so well, or it wasn't so easy for me to fit into those things. And anyway, I was the first person to move away. And I, as everybody in a small town, I I did get married really young. And then not long after I had Olive and Olive had a really interesting intro into the world where when she was born, basically to put it in layman's terms, her intestines were not connected. And they didn't know. They actually sent us home from the hospital. And it was really when I took her back to the hospital, because she was obviously very sick, it was just getting worse and, and worse. And they've been really honest with me and just said, had I not brought her back in when I did, I would have lost her. Yeah. So... I, I can say the kind of parent I would have been if I had just taken a healthy baby home because that whole thing changes you in the nine months that you carry a child and then give birth to a child. She had been four days old only at this point. And I remember thinking, if she dies, I want to die yeah. too. I want to die too. There's nothing left. And it's amazing how these little people just come into your life and take it over like that. And really, I felt that way that... <laughs> If she was gone, there was just nothing left. And then she did fantastic. She had a couple surgeries, a month and a half in the NICU. We went home. She grew and developed amazingly. But for me, because of that first experience, I remember sitting in this NICU room with no windows. I didn't know what time it was, AM or PM. didn't matter. It was just this constant circulating schedule of nurses and doctors and beeping and 
it's just constant. And we had a book. There was mm. a group that came in and every week they would bring a rack of books and you could pick your favorite. And there was one called Let's Go on a Mommy Date. Mm. And it was basically saying, oh, let's go to the zoo. Oh, if all the animals are sleeping, then that's okay. We'll go to the park. And if it rains, that's okay. We'll go to the movies. Oh, but if it gets too late, like then it's bedtime and dinner time and bedtime, all this stuff. So what will we do? And then in that moment, you turn the page and I was not prepared for it at all. And here I am. I can't hold my baby. I can't feed my baby. I can't change her. You can't do any of the things that a parent does. And Mm -hmm. I'm reading this book and it says, one day we're going to do all those things. And right now it's you and me right here. This is our mommy date. And I lost it. (laughs) I really lost it, but I've never forgotten it. And so for me, every single first, first steps, first day of school, first time we went to the zoo, first everything was so big because there was really a moment in time that I had to wonder, will I ever hear her say my name? Will I ever see her skip off to school? I, I didn't know. So facing that adversity that early on in that beginning of this life, this beautiful life has uh, brought in newness and freshness in all those little experiences that you've seen so far. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so from that moment on, I'm so grateful for that experience, obviously, because it turned out the way it did and that she's fine. But even if I could take it back, I'm not sure I would. Because we met so many incredible people that are still part of our lives today through that experience. And also, it really did, I think, create who I am as a parent. Right. And so when she survived, in my head, I thought, oh, my God, she didn't make it to not really live. Like, we got to go really live now. We got to do everything. What has it done to you as a mother and a child in terms of relationship? How has that transformed? And how do you see that manifest in your experiences? Yeah. So I would say a couple things. One of them, I was pretty young when I had all of, I was 22. So I was still growing up. And really when I look at it, we grew up together. And a couple of years ago, a friend of ours said, you guys have to watch the Kilmore girls. And I said, really? And they said, yeah, you (laughs) offer them. And I said, oh, really? And so we watched the Gilmore Girls together and we absolutely loved it. But yeah, I would say we were really growing and learning together. And I was always so encouraging of her once I got through the phase of like PTSD where I was afraid that she was going to die. No matter what yeah. I did, there was certainly that fear phase. But then once I got over that a little, it was like, oh, you want to try that? Let's try it. Come on. What an adventure. Yeah. And so just we turn we tend to put everything in terms of an adventure or a new experience or how fun that's going to be that everything that might be scary or negative we just try to put the most positive spin on it we could the next big adventure we took is when i moved from a smaller city in indiana to chicago mm-hmm. in the us and a part of getting to really live for me felt like having this really good career as a single mother. I wanted to make sure I could certainly offer her all the opportunities that I was able to. And so I really pursued my career and parenting both very hard. I was probably 
burning the the candle from both ends, as they say. I, I can't even imagine how hard that would be because there are two of us at home and, and taking care of this little boy, and it <laughs> he just it just gets crazy. And and as a single parent, I think yeah, I, I just don't want to imagine that. So as of last year and moving here to Germany, I'm no longer a single parent, and that's also been. So interesting. And now when people say to me, like, oh my God, I don't know how you did it, I forget too. Like looking back, I have no idea how I did it. But I think that's what everyone does when you have to and there's no other choice. There wasn't another option. So we did it. And and we had as much fun along the way as we could. Yeah. And so let's just remind people hard here. So you moved from a very small town to Chicago with, with this little girl. I don't know how old Olive was at that time. I think that's already... Yes, yeah, so she was six at the time. She was just turning seven and going into first grade. That is hard enough. And then you decide to move continents and you move to Germany. And then and, and I think probably she's already had friends around when she was probably about 10, was she, when you moved to Germany? Yeah, it turned 10 here last fall, right after we moved. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing was moving from Indiana to Chicago, part of why I wanted to do that is I grew up in a very, like you said, homogeneous and I felt like there was so much I missed out on. And I wanted her to have friends who had different religions, who spoke different languages at home. Because when you have a friend like that, that just becomes normal. Oh yeah. My one friend doesn't eat pork. Oh yeah. My other friend, they speak Spanish at home, whatever it is. And that you just get to know these people and those are your people. And so you don't see it as like this weird thing. You see it as, oh, that's what my friend so-and-so does. And I just wanted her to have all these experiences. And and so for me, moving to Chicago, in addition to, yeah, my career, it just felt like more supportive of the kind of life and exposure mm. I wanted her to have. So yes, when I tripped and fell in love with a German man who was working in Chicago for... A few years. I think that first of all, no one can really understand the impact of a move until it's done and you're living through it. Somebody could tell you all the hard things, somebody could try to dissuade you, somebody, whatever. Until you actually do it, you can't really, just like having a child, nobody can tell you, like, oh, they never sleep and oh, you get so worried or oh, they can tell you that all they want. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. It's not that bad. It's a kid. It's not that hard. They've been doing it for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. Then you find out. But anyway, because of all of that, and also Berlin is an incredibly international um, city. And maybe, I don't know, I think as parents, sometimes we overcorrect. Yeah. <laughs> That I had this kind of childhood and now she's having a completely different one. Did you have a cultural shock? I think everybody has it. What is your cultural shock about? It was far more than I was expecting. Yeah. And it continues more and more every day. I actually was reading about cultural shock because I thought maybe there was something wrong with me because I was having such a hard time adjusting. And I just wasn't like my myself, like my chipper, happy self, but like Ever, which is obviously great for a family. Everyone loves it when one person is always so grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as like the cultural shock things, God, there there is so much. And I think that now I've distilled it down. As an American, we are super friendly, especially in the part where I'm from, which is the Midwest. 
So if you run into somebody on the street and they even look a little confused, you would stop and say, hey, you looking for something? Like, can I help you? And then maybe you also have a cookie in your bag and you're like, oh, my grandma made these cookies just in case I ran into a stranger. Here you go. Enjoy your cookie. And this is the general attitude. If somebody is so grumpy or unhelpful, then everybody would look at them and be like, oh, it's their problem. What's wrong with them? And now it was like the opposite. Like I got here and I was like so excited and happy and I'm new here. And I think everybody's just going to welcome me. And I was like, either I was just like invisible and didn't exist, or I was too much of something, too loud, too, just too much. Yeah. So I think that was for me personally. I don't know what kind of things like as coming from another culture and thinking that they're Western, mostly white people, like it's going to be like America. It's what you thought. It was probably the other way around for me. I have traveled quite a lot and every couple of years I would move places and countries And I thought I'm never going to stop and I'm just going to be, that's what my life is all going to be about. I came into Germany and boom, suddenly I have this big news. I'm going to be a daddy and I wasn't prepared for it. So I think the biggest cultural shock for me has been just the feeling of being grounded and how much of a family, a Western country like Germany puts a focus on. I wasn't thinking that it's going to be anything like that. I think it was going to be more about, okay, let's chase the big dreams and and make some big money. And then we figure out all that rich life with the kid later. But I think more than a cultural shock, it was more of a life shock for me Mm -hmm. than anything else. And Janos was born in a small city. So having to do everything in German for myself, figuring out with him, though even my, my partner is German, she helps a lot, but still there's so many things to figure out. And Oh, it, that's that so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I So that actually, so as I said before, like now I'm not a single mother. Yeah. And so my husband is German. He's from a smaller town in Germany, but we chose Berlin because he has a job here and it's very international. And so we thought it would be not just jumping in the deep end. <laughs> it still is, but that's fine. But yeah, I, I was so independent. I did everything. I chose the school. I chose the daycare. I was in communication with them all the time. I was the one always coordinating soccer and extracurriculars. That was all me all day, every day. And then to get here and not even be able to sign like a permission slip that you can give her like emergency care. I'm like, what am I agreeing to? What do they want here? And that has been so hard for me. Get really that. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can understand. I, so I'm sure you would have picked up German by now or at least quite a bit of it. Yeah. So it's been really interesting. I mean, we knew like Guten Morgen, Morgen all, the, all the things that <laughs> yeah. you know from American TV, like Gesundheit. Like we were like, oh yeah, we can speak German. We're good. And then when we moved here, we put her into an immersive yeah. all German class. And she really had an amazing teacher who she too had actually immigrated from Bulgaria when she was 12. So she had a very keen and personal understanding of just how that is to be an immigrant child in another country and learning another language and all of that. I was also going to language school. And I have to say it was like really quickly that Olive was just surpassing me, just totally blowing past me. And now, and at first it was this cute little competition 
because mm. I felt I was keeping her really motivated to keep learning because it was like, oh, I don't want mom to be smarter than me. I don't want her to be past me. Yeah. But now I'm like, hey, Olive, can you please go to the dentist with me? I need somebody to translate. <laughs> like, Or like we're at a store and I'm like, where's the cash <laughs> register? I can't read any of these signs. And she's like, mom, it clearly says. And I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. So we are trying very hard now. Like she can speak perfect conversational German. She is at school all day with German kids. I'm okay. I can hear and understand. She has e- eclipsed me just by many moons. But now we are getting to the point where my husband is trying really hard to speak only German with her. And he's German, is, right? He's yeah. German, but it becomes really difficult when someone responds to you in English or if I'm a part of the conversation. Yeah. So there's this like German English mixture just slushing through our house all the time. And I have this belief that like when I can command the German language, that's when all of a sudden I'll feel like I belong here. And that's probably like the biggest lie I keep telling myself. (laughs) My strategy was just to read enough German or learn enough German to be one or two chapters ahead of him when he goes to school. Uh-huh. And just to be able to teach him a little bit, but I think yeah, yeah. Th- that dream was lost when he was two and a half already. So I would tell you, let that one go, let it go. You'll lose so much sleep over that. It just, yeah. I'm just be amazed at your kid, at how awesome they are, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell me something. What's been the hardest part of being a parent in a new culture, in an alien culture? Yeah. Wow. Great question. There. <laughs> There are so many things, but when I distill it down to just a couple, I would have to say when you come to a new place, you have all these ideas, these cultural biases that you don't even realize exist in you, that in your head, all these things are normal. And then when you go to a new place and you start realizing like, oh, wait, we don't all agree on normal. (laughs) It becomes clear that the things that were normal back home, like maybe that's not how it is here. And so you are constantly recalibrating what you believe normal is and where it is on this kind of scale. Mm. And that was really hard for me at first because Olive was coming home and telling me situations. And I remember thinking like, what? Why would they even do that? Like, why do children do that? Like, this must be so insane. Or, And Mm. it's like, how do you coach your child through dealing with this when you're like so thrown by it. And I have to say in the last year, my calibration for normal has, I, I found it a little bit to at first, like things would happen. And I was just like, I don't know, Olive, maybe that's what they do here. But as time went on, I became more confident. And that's also where you're saying like, okay, so Americans are loud and we're always too open or like f- super friendly. And there right. are parts of those where I'm like, you know what? We're keeping that. We're also going to keep that. We're going to decide that is actually part of who we are. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the culture is or the norm is here. This is who we are. And so just walking through some of those pieces with her. But as a parent, what I have to say is the hardest thing, and maybe you can identify with this because I'm, I'm sure you went through it too. But for me, it's a little bit of the age-old practice, what you preach. Mm-hmm. And I was giving all of so much grace. Like she went to a new school and sat the whole day in a German lesson in German school with German kids. 
And she would tell me something or be really upset or really down because like maybe she did something quote unquote wrong or all the other kids knew, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Olive, what are you talking about? You are so brave. That's fantastic. Okay, you messed it up. But now how awesome. What a gift. Now you know that when all the kids do this thing, that this is what the teacher is asking for. Like, awesome. Absolutely. And I was not giving myself that same grace at all. Mm. Because I've always been the independent one who was always in control of the situation and really helping situate everything. And so when I was doing stupid things, like not being able to even wash the car because I didn't understand what the buttons on the car wash meant, or I I still don't even know what happened. At one point I was in the subway station wanting to buy a sandwich and the guy just wouldn't give it to me. And like, I had the money and he was saying something to me and I don't know what it was to this day. And it escalated. He was really screaming at me and I was going, I don't understand what I did wrong. Like I said that I wanted a sandwich in German. I had the money for the sandwich, but for some reason I didn't walk away with the freaking sandwich. (laughs) And I was letting these things just totally get me down because I'm like, if I can't even order a sandwich, how am I supposed to raise a kid? How am I supposed to help Olive navigate this? How am I supposed to X, Y, Z, all the things that we as parents put on our shoulders that we are required to do. And I realized I would never want Olive to speak to herself the way I was speaking to myself. I would be heartbroken if I heard her being so hard on herself because she's amazing. She's doing so great. This is a huge transition. And so I actually even have part of my holiday series on the blog that one of the gifts I'm going to try to give myself this year is just a little grace. And I think when you come from a new country, oh God, you got to have a lot of that on hand. Yeah, absolutely. And that is so beautiful what you said. Connect with that 100%. We don't give ourselves enough love. We don't get ourselves enough slack that, yeah, it's a lot of times parenting is really more about figuring ourselves out and figuring that little Buddha in front of us, giving those little options and ideas on how to be a bit more equanimous, a bit more caring for ourselves than us parenting that little kid who's just crawling around. And, and Oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. Oh, and honestly, Olive, there were times where I was like in tears, like mm. crying in the car. And at one point, like I'm, I really made some stupid mistakes. I drove my car onto pedestrian only Alexander Platz. <laughs> yeah. And a police officer stopped me. And I was like, I'm really sorry. How do I get out of here? And I was, I just thought, oh my God, how am I going to function here? Oh. And there have been times when I was really in tears and Olive was there for me saying, no, mom, you really did a good job. Like, really, mom, it's okay. Like, that wasn't your fault or explaining something to me. Yeah. And so it's been really interesting. Raising children is really like holding a mirror up to yourself and having to look yeah. really at yourself. But I have to say, I have been really encouraged in times when I've really struggled or maybe even I was crying about something that happened that I didn't understand or maybe because I couldn't do it myself and I was so upset that I couldn't do it on my own. And my daughter just saying, no, it's okay. We're going to get through this together, mom. We're going to find a way and Mm. just taking and, and she doesn't come up with that on her own. That's also in those moments where just I wouldn't want 
to see her talking so hard and so harsh to herself. That's also really reaffirming because she's giving that back to me. And Mm. so that's a really positive, it's just such a great feeling when the things that you're reinforcing in your kids Mm. and they start using it back on you and you realize, oh, that must have gotten in. I must be some kind of positive influence on her because right now she's really giving it back to me. And that is, I would say, like a really successful parenting moment. Which you got to hang on to. <laughs> I must say that my son is five. So I, I don't know how many years I got to wait to get that reflection back because it feels <laughs> like it's a one way street so far. <laughs> Give it but a few yeah. more years. It comes, it's, it's in very little slow increments, but yeah. there will be that light bulb moment. I think we should also add that when we immigrated to a new country as a global pandemic was yeah. starting and while again, like being a new parent, that in and of itself is a huge thing. And I was a new parent to a baby who almost died. Mm. And now I'm the parent, an immigrant parent to an immigrant child during a pandemic. God, we never do anything easy, do we? Like we just take it full on. Like yeah. how hard can we make it? Let's make it that hard all the way up. But that's also been really interesting too. But it has been, I think that it has been more isolating yeah. than in a normal time. But even so, I'm watching her every day learn new things. She has made really great friends at school. She is on a soccer team. Like she's killing it. Kids are so adaptable. Like I want to grow up and be all of She is so amazing. And me, I'm getting there. Like we're older, right? Like it takes us a little longer sometimes, or maybe it's just me. I'm just stubborn. It takes me a little longer to learn the lesson and give myself some grace. I think that's the key when you're new in a place. Absolutely. And again, going back to that theme of self-love and just that little patience and let this kind of unfold as it unfolds, right? Tiffany, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's beautiful. Every time I talk to you, there's just hidden treasure that I find in this conversation. There's just beautiful insights that just keep cropping up. So thanks for that. And thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much. It was really fun to be here today. All right, guys, if you've been enjoying the show, uh, don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want some more goodies, come to readoutingpod.com.